Welcome to Reactive, uh, episode 32. My name is Henning Glattergutz, and I'm H. Glattergutz on Twitter. And I'm telling you this now because I'll forget at the end of the show. <laughs> um, unfortunately, we're not joined today by Rockbot. Raquel Velez had to report to Wombat headquarters for some kind of mystery. Maybe we'll find out later. But uh, here with me today is uh, Khalil Lechelt. Hey, how's it going? Hello. <clears throat> it's Hello, going. Hello. It's going. Very good. Mm-hmm. Very good. Mm-hmm. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. You've been uh, on missions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd say. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, so everything is okay on your side? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, everything's fine. Um, we just, you know, the usual kind of stuff, colds and flu and stuff like that. Yeah. So this week I've been doing, uh, I've been doing some pair programming with my uh, three-month-old. That was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we had, we had like, my wife just started going back to work and the kids are sick and off of you know, school anyway. And then we had nanny problems. So mm-hmm. here I am with a kid on my arm trying to do stuff. So it was very interesting. So did you get anything done? Um, <laughs> I didn't write any code. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'll uh, write it up to administrative tasks. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Click, click, drag, point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. <clears throat> so what have you been up to? I th- uh, uh, We saw that you were on a podcast. Yeah, I uh, I was on a podcast yesterday, first time as a guest. Um, and it was really, really fun. It was the PHP Roundtable podcast. And the subject matter was um, how to stay relevant in the ever ever-changing, rapidly changing web development environment that we're in. And uh, it was sort of a panel discussion. There was four guests and the host, and it was on uh, Google Hangouts. That was new for me, too. So it was all on video, but it was really, really cool. So there was uh, three guys from Europe, uh, so one from England, two of us from Germany, and a guy in Kentucky, and the host was in Chicago. So. Pretty cool. Yeah, so it was an hour-long conversation about, I think, a lot of things, you know, that we've talked about here, too, you know, how to not go crazy with all the hype and, um, you know, what what to read and what not to read and what to follow and what to focus on, especially when you're a beginner and, and how to get help and stuff like that. So, And, and the really cool part of the show is they have this, um, this thing called the Developer Shoutout. And um, there's a company that sponsors like uh, this thing and they get a $50 gift certificate and they ask the panel to nominate people. So I, I nominated Raquel and uh, she got it. Because, so. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. you know, I, I sort of brought up the her, because um, she, she's talked about this on the show as well, that she wants to get into more uh, mentoring relationships with people and, um, you know, take on things like that and is helping, you know, may put the offer out there to basically help people with their um, conference proposals and with their resumes. So, you know, that that's, I, I would say that's giving back to the community and, uh, you know, trying to bring new people in, being very welcoming. So I guess that resonated and uh, she's going to get a gift certificate. So 
That was pretty cool. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Well, yeah. So I'm interested. So what were the the takeaways? How do you stay current nowadays in web development? Well, the thing that I I sort of tried to to talk about or the things that I said was it was or some of the things that I I think I wish I would have done earlier on in my career, which is seek help from more experienced people. Um, and basically, you know, not be afraid to go and ask um, certain questions or any kind of question, basically, to, to, to expedite your learning because, um, you know, without that, you can, you can, you can still learn, you, you can become very good, but it's, it's definitely not as fast as if you can talk to someone that's made all the mistakes that knows where to find what and what to focus on, what not to focus on. And, um, you know, basically go and seek help in the community. I guess that's uh, sort of the, the big thing that I tried to um, relay. Um, because the questions were like, you know, as a beginner, what, what do you focus on? And, and this is actually kind of funny because these are some of the things that we had in our talk uh, about the JavaScript framework. You know, focus on the fundamentals and, um, you know, don't, don't follow the hype train. Mm-hmm. Or don't, yeah, don't ride the hype train. And... Um, um, so I think most of it had to do with seeking help in the community. So, you know, asking questions about where to start, what to do, um, having your code reviewed and not being afraid of that. Um, you know, contributing to open source projects. And I brought up the, uh, the uh, you know first pull request thing that we had discussed before I just forgot unfortunately that it was Kent Beck that uh, or Kent C Dodds that brought that up right mm-hmm. yeah it was Kent C Dodds yeah. um, and so so things like that and we we sort of talked about our our experiences in our first um, you know pull requests and stuff like that and yeah so those are those are kind of the the highlights I guess hmm. cool yeah yeah I think those are really important. Yeah, important points. Yeah, because I think also, I mean, <clears throat> the problem when you start out is also that you don't really know what to ask, in which direction to go, and you're afraid to ask stupid questions and stuff. Right. Yeah. And I guess you. Just yeah, I mean, have that's to that's uh, anyway. Yeah, and then that's the thing that I think a lot of us forget that have been doing this for a long time. I mean, I still get overwhelmed with with things, but I I sort of know how to get myself out of it, and I know. I know the process now and I know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and I know how to get to the solution faster. Mm-hmm. But when you start out, I mean, just the, the, the concept of a pull request, you know, what is that? Mm-hmm. How does it work? What am I supposed to do? <clears throat> how do I communicate with these people, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why I brought up this first pull request because those are, I thought, really, really cool because of, you know, the the explicit help that that people the project owners offer and and try to get people onboarded basically in in open source by providing uh guidance for something like that mm-hmm. because it's yeah it is it can be very daunting you know yeah of course because there's also the whole thing of git yeah yeah exactly that you have to kind of understand especially uh yeah as a young programmer uh, starting out that can be a little bit overwhelming for sure yeah Yeah, I actually saw some tweets about that today also where people were saying 
some some people from the JavaScript community that have been in the community since a while already. We're basically saying that they they have problems keeping up or they feel kind of tired of keeping up with all the newest yeah. the newest stuff. Yeah. And and there was a conversation going on and there was <clears throat> one guy saying that he was, yeah, feel kind of tired with all this, blah, blah, blah. And then there was, um, what was it? Oh, one guy said something about, oh, they were also talking about how working out kind of suffers, you know, like staying fit and stuff like mm -hmm. that because they rather do stuff on the computer or learn something new than go to the gym. And... Um, And somebody mentioned something about staying relevant. And then uh, I saw Pascal Precht also uh, chimed in. He was kind of like, well, you know, if that is your motivation, you might be, that might be uh, wrong to begin with. <laughs> like, you know, like, uh, no, no, was it re relevant? Yeah, I think it was something like relevant or something like that. So if your motivation is to be relevant, then you're on the wrong track or... <clears throat> Hold on, hold on. I have it right here. I guess you know. I guess you, it depends on how you word it, but it's it's it can mean many things. I guess. Um, where is it? Oh, here it do, is. do 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 do. Hold on. I'll find it. I thought it was an interesting conversation, so I'm going to look. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, stuff to learn. Super unhealthy. Things really boils down to the moment why you need to learn. Okay. Da, da, da. But yeah, that's a real, I think, a real concern because there is, people make themselves that pressure. And I was actually surprised to hear, I listened to, I binge listened to the Five Minute Geek Show. Mm -hmm. And um, he's sort of, uh, that's Matt Stauffer. He's taken, sort of taken it down a notch because I heard on one of the episodes he said that he, you know, first of all, I was like, this guy is amazing. You know, he puts out all this stuff. He has these podcasts and he hosts the Laravel podcast. And he's got this great company working with all the top people. He's a speaker, yada, yada, yada. How does he do all this? And then he comes out and says, yeah, um, <clears throat> he had heart palpitations and his hands went numb. And he was having like this anxiety and stuff and, you know, was debating on whether he had to go to the emergency room or not. And, Turns out, yeah, he just, you know, completely overdid it. <laughs> he mm -hmm. ran himself into the ground. And he was actually a lot, you know, saying, ah, I want to go home to my family and do this and work out and all that. So I thought, you know, he's doing this sort of healthy, healthy balance. But turns out, I guess he wasn't for a while. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah, that's definitely a, a trap that you can get into really quickly. Is that you just do too much? Yeah, um, I did. I, what I did for a while was in the beginning, I would uh, work my job and then do some freelance stuff on the side. That was also bad. Mm -hmm. That was really yeah. bad. Yeah, like really burning the candle on both ends. <laughs> yeah. And and for, and I think for me, the um, as you progress as a developer, I think a good option is to to go to go deeper into some spe specialization mm -hmm. um and because because then keeping up does not mean to go with the pace of what the outside dictates and you know what is the newest hype it is very much on your own schedule yeah because when it comes to going deep into something then that tends to be um 
information that is less bound to the heat of the moment or what's whatever is going on it's more like you go down into the fundamentals and like you yeah it's 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 just gets into more timeless information i guess right. and then from from there from there i find once you go deeper into one subject from there it's easier to keep track of the rest uh from afar because as we've said also as we've said before and we've said i think also in our talk is like a lot of the, those things that are happening are kind of patterns that are returning over time like functional programming or mvc blah blah all that stuff um and um as you get more knowledgeable in in one thing which kind of so when you go deep i think it kind of brings you to a point where you start going a little bit more broad again but what but when it comes to fundamentals more than anything that's hype and when you have those then that helps you to deal with whatever hype is going on right now because it most mostly has some sort of relationship to programming fundamentals of some sort yeah yeah <clears throat> well that's kind of what you you seem to be doing now i saw some uh well, I listened to the last two episodes of your simple podcast, and you are you are uh, going on some kind of uh, roadshow with uh, <laughs> <laughs> with observables. It sounds like yeah. So I basically I basically told myself, look, um, I'm always kind of um, so that ca came out of the the fact that I've been kind of sending in, you know. Uh, proposals for talks to different conferences and last year and also this year a few and i kind of always kind of changed up what it was also kind of tailored to the conference sometimes and then at some point and then i realized this is not really what um if i'm going to talk then it uh it has to be something that i really i'm interested in right now and so I kind of I kind of thought about it and I said okay right right now what's interesting to me is is observables and application architecture with observables and kind of going a little bit more uh, deep into that and um and I basically told myself okay I'm going to come up first of all I'm going to do a little poll on Twitter and going to see if there's interest for this kind of talk and I did this mini poll and and uh, offered like three like variations on the subject. So one was just observables and use cases, like an introduction. The other one was app architecture. And the third one was CycleJS, which is also basically has a lot to do. First of all, of course, you're going to talk, I would have talked about CycleJS, um, what it is and introdu introduce it, but then also about the architecture that is used in CycleJS. And, um, and so what one was application architecture and um that's actually that was actually my favorite topic to kind of just do a general kind of talk about how to do um um how to architect your app with observables how to do like state management and how to use flux or redux with observables and stuff like that so <clears throat> and then I um I thought okay cool like there's some interest is there and then um, the easiest way for me to do that, because I was also 
interested in giving that talk multiple times so I can I can refine it and get a little bit more deep um, over time. And um, and the easiest way for me to do it because I'm connected with uh, with you know JavaScript meetup organizers and I'm an organizer myself would be to just do like a meetup tour of some sort. And so and so um, of course I'm also sending in um, that talk as a proposal to uh, conferences, but I don't really I don't care if they take me or not or whatever. Like because I'm doing I'm doing my little you know, speak my, my little roadshow or tour of meetups um, right. anyway. And uh, yeah, and it's a really also for me, it's really also about <clears throat> exercising or practicing speaking, um, speaking about a subject that I care about and, and also experiment with it and just um, get more comfortable with it. And um, yeah, also maybe to to really test it out if that is actually something that I want to keep doing, you know, speaking at conferences or meetups or something like that. I think this mm -hmm. is also a really good test, you know, like do I really become comfortable with it? Is it something that I really enjoy also, you know, to 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 kind of pass on knowledge in this way? <clears throat> and And can I find my way of doing it? You know, I think this is also something that my way of doing it where I'm really super cool with it and have fun and it's comfortable and all that like that's kind of the uh, the whole thinking behind this okay so so a little little experiment i mean what would be what would be the the alternatives though is if i don't know let's say you say okay i don't like this or i don't want to do this w would you still want to i mean it seems to me that you you have the urge to to share knowledge and you want to do that i mean in what other form would you do it then um, I would definitely keep just um, just keep doing uh, what I'm doing already, like podcasting. Yeah. Um, I would maybe do more in open source projects, just programming, just adding, you know, maybe helping with uh, with some projects or doing more pull requests. Um, maybe maybe you know try blogging again or something like that, or maybe mm -hmm. just not do it at all, or just you know um, just do more with podcasting um i have no idea yeah okay i'm just trying to find um the way to do this that is the most um i don't know how to i'm missing the words right now but the the what is just the best way for me to do it i don't know yeah, yeah something like that yeah Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. So I'm excited about this. So basically, I'm going to uh, I'm going to be speaking at the next Stuttgart JS mm -hmm. in uh, April, and then um, I can speak at Pot JS, Franken JS. Wow, nice list. <laughs> yeah, Frankfurt JS. I'm also going to do, but that's later. I think uh -huh. in June or something like that. Berlin JS also. Um, but it's also going to be in June or something because that's far. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, my employer is also supporting me with that as well. Oh, so. nice. Very good. Yeah. So um, I can <clears throat> I can spend some work time on preparation, and uh, they can also help with uh, travel and and hotel and stuff. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. So that's really cool. They're cool. Really supportive yeah. when it comes to that. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, I'm super excited about this, and uh, yeah, I'm sure I'm, I'm just gonna I'm gonna list my my tour dates <laughs> <laughs> on the blog post. Come and see me. <laughs> Come see in me. a city near you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Very we'll go cool. on tour with observables. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I would like to do, um, you know, on, on a smaller scale, continue to talk. But right now, I just, I just realized that I, I just don't have the time, and sure, um, it's it's not working. <laughs> and uh, and and the other thing, I, I came to the realization. I mean, I'm I'm always following, you know, Ember, and uh, and you know, listening to stuff, either podcasts or this Ember Global Meetup. Um, you know, because I'm actually doing a lot of uh, walking lately. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, while uh, uh, holding a baby because she she likes to be walked, mm-hmm. and that's usually inside the house because it's it's at night. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just have my laptop open and you know just like have um, screencasts or or conference videos running. Awesome. So I get my I get my uh, you know education or whatever news mm-hmm. that way in in actually quite a bit more than than I usually have time for but the flip side of that is is that I actually am not at the keyboard mm-hmm. I'm anymore and I realized I haven't written any javascript this year mm-hmm. <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> yeah. so what I, I really really wanted to try out um you know ember deploy mm-hmm. that seems to be uh pretty much production ready and uh, f- basically switch that out with uh, the custom scripts that I have. And I, I've been wanting to do that for two weeks. Not a chance. So it's just not working. So it's this year so far, it's all PHP, mm-hmm. which is uh, not a bad thing either. Um, I've sort of been focusing on uh, tooling, I guess. Um, writing small CLI helper things that I can globally install. I don't know why I never thought of this before. I guess um, when we fiddled around with the Fido um, command line stuff with NPM and you know the whole global install mechanism for that, that all works in, in Composer and PHP as well. And uh, I don't know why I never did that, but I, I wrote a bunch of uh, CLI tools now that uh, do all sorts of things for work and... Um, also, a CLI tool for my podcast, the uh, PHP Storm Briefs, because um, so basically, I like I said, I do do the episodes in batches, and essentially, it's you know create a new file from a template, which is the show notes, then you know go and fill in the same stuff all the time, basically keyboard shortcuts for OSX, keyboard shortcuts for Windows and Linux. Uh, Links to documentation and stuff like that, and then publish, you know, or record, and then take the audio file, take the show notes, put them in an email, send it, and then tweet about it. So I wrote something to um, basically reduce the steps drastically for that. And mm-hmm. it's basically a command line tool to create a new episode, to publish it and then to tweet about it. The tweet thing is not hooked up. That's basically just a, um, you know, it, uh, it outputs the, um, the tweet content to the command line, and I just pipe it to uh, the, the clipboard mm-hmm. and then just go and paste it in and tweet it. So, mm-hmm. But still, I mean, that, that saves a ton of time. And, 
And um, that's uh, that suggestion that you had, you know, to to basically tag things if they also apply to WebStorm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started doing that, and uh, the the command line utility also notices if I have that tag in there or not, and then prepares the tweet accordingly with the correct hashtags. <laughs> so <laughs> so nice. very nerdy, but um, actually it's really useful. So. That's great. That's what I've been messing with. The few minutes that I have time, that's what I've been doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. You've been shooting up on in the podcast directory as well with your podcast. Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh it's really, really fun how how it's uh, being received. Um I'm getting a lot of uh requests and well a lot. I am getting every other day or so somebody writes and either says they love it or um you know, could you do this or that and <laughs> stuff like that. So, I mean, that's that's really cool. And uh, cool. for, you know, dinky little podcast. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's, and really, it's really useful. And I yeah. mean, there's really a, a huge, passionate kind of uh, community around the, those edi- editors. So, yeah. That's well, right I mean, if, if you look at the, the Twitter account for that IDE, it's got 24,000 followers. I mean, that's uh, not bad. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's, that's another thing. So I've been trying to do figuring out ways to promote it, you know. So working on that. I should probably blog and do other things, but right now I'm, I'm focusing on Twitter. Twitter's good. Twitter's yeah. good. And podcasting. You're all over the podcasts now anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Cool yep. stuff. Exactly. <clears throat> Speaking of Twitter, it's ten years old. Pretty cool. I was trying to find. It wasn't there? Is there like a tool where you can find your first tweet or something? I thought that was for a first commit or pull request on GitHub. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. First tweet. Because I just came across that tool again. The first pull request and. There's all kinds of um, analytics tools for for GitHub. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there is actually on discover.twitter.com slash first-tweet. And then uh, you just, uh, yeah, you have this website where you can put in your name. Uh Uh-huh. And my tweet was on the 4th of April, 2008. (laughs) Um, Wow. That's that's uh, eight years. Dang. What's the URL again? Uh, it's discover.twitter.com slash first dash tweet. And, and it actually is a tweet where... Uh, so it says, in the Internet Cafe in Berlin, while waiting for Elle's plane to arrive. So that was actually... I was actually waiting for my wife's plane well she's my wife now back then she was my girlfriend uh <laughs> to arrive in berlin <laughs> so nice <funny. clears throat> mine is oh gosh <laughs> april 15th 2010 at the gainesville post office on tax day in and out in under five minutes never seen postal workers move this fast <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez. yeah because I, I was used to um I remember now why this was. It was used to the the massive post office in Tampa at the airport and also the ones in South Florida 
that was just ridiculous. Lines out the door any time of the day and people just slow, slow, slow. Mm-hmm. And then this was such a change. <laughs> I tweeted that from my car. My gosh. <laughs> nice. When was that 2015 you said? No, 2010. 2010. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so also six years now. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah, they were celebrating it and tweeting to all kinds of uh, big names on Twitter. We're kind of thanking the the bigger names yeah. for being on there and being awesome and stuff like that, yeah. And I saw a lot of those first tweets swearing around, so I was wondering. Ah, uh, okay. Yep. Yeah, I, I think I got an email from them. That's why I know that. Otherwise, mm -hmm. it <laughs> Yeah. And um, so uh, some friends of ours from uh, Frankfurt JS, Tim Pietus Pietruski. Uh -huh. I don't know if that's how you actually say his name, but um, uh, him and his um, colleagues, employees, um, they made a game. <clears throat> and it's called Bug Industries. Oh. And you can support that game um, on Kickstarter. And it's uh, it seems to be um, it seems really cool. So the so basically so they, they did a really good job with their Kickstarter video. It's it's well produced. They have nice little um, like characters made by by a designer or um, an illustrator and. Um, you can find the game under bug.industries, actually. <laughs> so that's the that's the actual URL of the game. Um, but you can also just Google for it, Kickstarter, back, Bug Industries. And they're actually almost funded already. So they want 10,000 um, euros or dollar or whatever, dollars or whatever. <clears throat> and they, they are at uh, 8,000 something now so oh it's a physical game okay and it's a board game i was i was thinking computer game no it's a board uh -huh. game and so the the goal of the game is basically to reduce bugs you start with 64 bugs <laughs> and then you can like you you get you you uh i don't know exactly the rules but you uh throw dice and then you pick a card or two cards or something like that and some of those cards or the numbers on the dice give you a number that you can either reduce or um, accumulate bugs and then there is um, some cards that you can draw that give you some powers to be to do strategical moves where you can you know give all your bugs to somebody else or or I don't know, like some some sort of strategic stuff where you can keep those cards for the and and wait for the right moment to play them and stuff like that. So it's mixed, it's mixed uh, luck and strategy, and it seems like a really cute little game. It's uh, supposed to only take up to like something between ten and twenty minutes to play one round, so you can just uh, play it in your lunch break, basically. That's so funny. I just heard you know programmers and bugs and i immediately thought computer game maybe even gamification of some kind of you know work related thing of squashing bugs or something but no it's it's yeah. a physical game <laughs> yeah it's nice. it looks very game. nice yeah it's it's really cool so um i actually uh backed back the game with 30 bucks uh, -huh. uh definitely 
definitely want to get it. I think it's a really cool thing, and it's also um, it's nice to see you know how much how much uh, work they put into it, and they actually also made sure they can ship it all over the world. So if you back it from the US, you're still gonna get it. Um, the shipping costs all over the world is the same. It's eight bucks. So when you when you back the game with twenty two bucks, then you put eight bucks uh, on top for the shipping, basically. So nice. So it's it's expensive if you uh, if you think about okay, they're in Germany and I'm in Germany and it's a lot of money for shipping or whatever. But they <clears throat> but. The the cool feature of that shipping fee is that it's the same for everybody in the world, and it actually does cost that much. Like it's not a made up numbers. There's reasons why it costs cost that. So, um, yeah. So, and I'm very I'm very happy. You know that they are doing this and 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 uh, and they're doing such a such a good job at it. It's really it's really just a super nice little little game and they really put a lot of love and effort into it so yeah uh, it looks like it it's very nice yeah so i'm really curious how it's going to be when when is it supposed it? to be man if they if they reach their goal when is it going to be shipped uh, uh i don't know where it's okay where it says that but they definitely already have um production lined up so they know basically they know where they have to send it to mm -hmm. um you know everything the whatever yeah they have somebody that they're working with um so so once they're funded they can pay for that and they can just like the machine can just start producing it so that's not going to be a problem cool yeah <clears throat> nice. that's that bug industries cool <laughs> Yeah, so do you know do you know anything about why Raquel has to sh uh, uh, basically report to headquarters, or <laughs> can we not say? <laughs> no, I don't know anything. Uh, I can only I can only guess that it has something to do with uh, left pad gate. <laughs> what is that? I have no, idea no so so the story about. is so last night. So when I woke woke up this morning, I went on Twitter. And there was this huge hubbub about something NPM, something NPM, something NPM. And um, so what happened while we slept, so for them, it's yesterday. Um, for us, it's last night. So what happened last night slash yesterday was that um, there's this developer. Um, he got an email. Um, he has a few modules on NPM. And he got an email from a company that's called Kick. It's a Kick is a messenger of some sort, you know, like a messenger app. And um, and they wanted to publish some um, open source software on npm, and they wanted to publish it under the name Kick. And this guy, this developer, he had uh, some tool or whatever some package published under the name kick so k-i-k -K. and um, they asked him if he could you know if if uh if he could rename his package because they own the trademark for the name and stuff like that and they really don't want to send their lawyers off to um, what 
to 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 do the to what did they say like they threatened him well they didn't really threaten him like when you so there's two sides of the story let me just finish the story okay sorry. so so apparently uh, something that i learned on twitter today but I, i of course i can't guarantee that this is true information but apparently when you have a trademark um on something on a name then you have to if you find you know somebody infringing on that uh you know it doesn't matter how small it is or how you know insignificant the person or the project is you have to defend it otherwise you can just lose it because if if you if if somebody can prove so apparently i don't know for sure but if somebody can prove apparently in america that you found out about this infringement And it was just like some Joe Schmo somewhere that has a package that two people use. And you did not defend it and basically told him, hey, you, I'm sorry, you have to take this down. Otherwise, you know, like we have to sue you or whatever. Then um, you, you can lose that in, in some sort of legal um, scenario. You can lose your patent on that name, right? Okay. So basically what they did is they... I saw, so basically they posted their, their side of the story today. Of course, you have to take it uh, with a grain of salt. No idea, you know, if what, what they're posting is true. But they posted their email communication with that guy. And from the email communication, you definitely can see that they are mentioning lawyers and that they're patent holders. And, or th it's the patent agent of Kick that was talking with the guy or asking the guy to... If he could, if he could, you know, what they would have to do for him to change the name, um, if they can compensate him in some sort, um, and that they really don't want to, um, you know, involve lawyers, but that they will have to if, but they weren't like super clear about that. So it, you could interpret it a little bit as a threat as well. But it was still friendly and they tried apparently multiple times to um, persuade him to change it, to just rename his package and um, and they would even give him money or whatever, right? But he responded, basically his responses were always like, uh, no, fuck you, go away. You, you're like, he was like, like he was sticking it to the man, That was kind of his whole stance. Like, I'm, I'm an open source developer. Like, you can't tell me to, like, I have a package under this name and that's that. Go away, basically, right? And, and on top of that, there's also a policy that you can find on NPM, um, on the website that says when, when there's somebody who has a patent on a package name, that they will have to transfer the rights to that packet, patent holder. Of some sort. So that's also basically um, part of the rules on NPM. part of the rules on NPM, yeah. as far as I can tell. And and so um, the patent agent of Kick, he he wrote to NPM and he said, "Hey, can you kind of mediate? This is not working out with uh, with this with this person." And um, in the end, I don't. Uh, in the end, there's NPM basically saying, "Hey." Um, I know that you, you know, you put work into this and we're very sorry, but we will have to trend or we're going to transfer the names to the patent holder. Because in this case, we feel like if, uh, if you, um, 
if the name of the package is Kick, then people will expect something that belongs to the company Kick.com, you know, to be uh, in that package or something along those lines, blah, blah, blah. And then <clears throat> this, um, from, so from what I told you, the guy's like, you know, like, I don't give a fuck, like, you're all, you know, stick it to the man, da, da, da. Of course, he was like, he totally flipped out and he pulled all his packages Uh, he unpublished all of his packages from NPM. And he has one package that is called Left Pad, Left Dash Pad. <laughs> okay. And that package, it just pads a string um, on the left side with zeros or something like that. A string that, you know, is a number or whatever and pads it on the left side or something along those lines. Um. That package, a lot of packages rely on that, right? And some, like for instance, Babel.js relies on a specific version, version, version <laughs> of left pad. And so when he unpublished that, basically every Babel.js build, build in the world just failed. Oh my God. And, and, and many other builds of many other people like JSCS, JavaScript uh, code style uh, package failed as well. It was also um, using left pad or a specific version of less left pad and stuff like that. So, so that package, <clears throat> yeah, so him unpublishing um, uh, this pa or all of his packages broke the internet. So that's what the media is saying. Like it's going like, It's going crazy. Now, of course, so, so now we have, so what happened after that was that you have people siding with this person, um, a lot of people siding with this person in blind rage at NPM, basically, basically saying like, how can you do this, you know, side with the corporate, you know, evil corporate people. And that's also the stance of the developer himself. He also apparently wrote this mail to Isaac the CEO of NPM and basically telling me, I can't believe you did this. I know you since so many years or off you or whatever. And, you know, I can't believe that you're, you're, you're siding with the corporate pigs or I don't know, I'm paraphrasing. And um, so there's a lot of this kind of stuff going on where people are getting really angry and scared, you know, like, Oh my God, like this can happen. And then there's, and then there's people that started arguing about this is an argument against the tiny module kind of way of building applications <clears throat> and that monolithic applications or monolithic frameworks are the way to go and making it like, uh, like just a general, you know, thing about that. And then there's, uh, and then there's NPM on the other side and NPM. Um, so what they did is they pretty quickly, well, I don't know how fast because it all happened while I slept, but, uh, <laughs> but so what they did is that some, I think NPM employees took control or just copied or cloned or whatever the packages that, you know, the internet depended on basically. And uh, and just republish them on NPM because because the the license um, under which they were published was very very um, you know how do you say liberal or mm -hmm. yeah I think it was the what the fuck PL WTF PL license or something mm -hmm. like that so basically you can do whatever you want with that code 
so uh, they, so they republished it and apparently also re republished um, the the older versions, I guess, because it seems to be so. The republishing seems to have fixed the problem, <clears throat> and I, as far as I could tell, that all happened quite quickly. But I mean, there was just this huge shock, and there's just like there's even kind of main mainstream media articles about this um wow, where was i today oh, my gosh. <laughs> i don't know <laughs> oh right i was at the doctor's with my daughter <laughs> there you go wow. yeah but honestly this is not necess necessarily something that was really worth your time because yeah because really like people like this i was kind of ashamed for our community today the mm -hmm. javascript community you know which i kind of uh which is very dear to me but um what i was seeing was a, just a lot of like hunger for or a thirst for drama and you know like jumping on one person or the other and stuff like that and i was just like just chill yeah i'm, you know? I'm not quite surprised what about the? this it's like <clears throat> i mean i can understand the actions of a single person but then that you know a lot of people get upset about it or I guess, you know. I mean, it brings out the worst in people, apparently. Like, yeah. But I would just say, like, just just wait for the post-mortem, uh, you know. NPM mm. said they're going to post, uh, they're going to post a big statement. So the kick people posted their side. There's a Medium blog post from the developer. <clears throat> and the kick people, they posted a Medium post um, with, with some of the email, con some content of the emails that were exchanged. And uh, NPM is going to post their thing soon. And yes, I'm sure that, you know, um, Raquel, not, well, I'm not sure, but I would imagine that maybe Raquel not being able to uh, record with us today might have something to do with this because mm -hmm. they have to, um, they have to <clears throat> fight some fires or something. Yeah, like it that. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But it, I mean, it does open sort of a, a can of worms, right? I mean, Obviously, it can be fixed quickly because there's, you know, backups and stuff like that. Um, sure. But, you know, that a single individual can disrupt things so badly if he has or he or she has enough, um, you know, popularity of a module or multiple modules that, you know, it can cause some pain. That's kind of sucks. Yeah. 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 But I don't think that this is something that's going to happen very often. Mm -hmm. um, there's definitely some some interesting ideas also floating around. Some people are basically saying you just have to bundle all your dependencies into your library or something like that. And uh, I'm sure that just more people are going to actually, you know, start maybe, you know, hosting mirrors of NPM or... Uh, bundle certain libraries with their with their code so they don't have to when, redownload all the time so and when you say actually, bundle you mean like check in the version into your own repository instead of installing for it for instance I, I think there's also there's also um there's a blog post going around i don't know the name right now but i'm i'm just going to I'm just going to post it in the show notes it's a blog post where somebody has a a package that kind of shrink wraps and bundles somehow 
your dependencies for you or something like that. I'm, I'm not sure. I didn't really uh, go very deep into this. But, yeah, I tried uh, to find the best practices for that probably about a year ago or so, and I, I, I think I had a, a very brief exchange with, I don't know if it was Michael or it was Isaac. He was saying that he's working on something, but then I don't know. I lost track of it or something. But you know how to properly do that because I, I was I was working on trying to deploy some kind of node thing and didn't know how I should deal with that as far as, you know, should I check that stuff in or not? Because that conversation's come up at my work as well, not not with JavaScript in particular, but also with the package ecosystem in, in PHP where um, I never really saw it as a problem, but the I guess the people in charge were always very concerned about using external packages for this precise reason. Um, right. That, you know, if they went away, then we are up the creek. But that's yeah. not, you know, people always have that stuff on their local machine and can always, you know, uh, get that put back together in, in a, in a yeah. hurry if it needs to be, you know. So, yeah. So, so definitely one solution. So, so what happened with us, for instance, at work is that we, we fixed um the versions we don't use we don't rely on semver to kind of um get the newest minor version or or whatever like we just keep tracks of changes in our dependencies and when we feel like we need to update we're going to update and we're going to So you specify the that. entire version ma major minor patch. Yeah. Yeah. You specify entire versions because um because you just can't rely on semver that's a little bit sad, but that has to do with, you know, just how NPM works and publishing to NPM. It's just totally uh, free. Like it allows you to, to publish any changes as a minor or as a patch version. And, um, and yeah. So if you run, so we do it this way. I don't know if it's really possible any other way, but that's also a reason why shrink wrap exists. Shrink wrap really also kind of just makes like a snapshot of your setup down to the to 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 the to the um, deepest dependency that you have in your dependencies. So dependencies of dependencies of dependencies, like every single version is kind of nailed down in the shrink wrap thing. And if you add something new. You can. It will also add the, uh, that package and the version and the version of its dependencies to the shrink wrap, and um, you can use that and you can reinstall from that shrink wrap. And when you have that shrink wrap, of course, you can also just you can also commit all your dependencies um, to your repository if you want. That's not necessarily a bad idea, you know, because if if the code of your um, of the third party code of the third parties works for you, then why not do that? You know, it, it just, it definitely, um, it's, uh, it, it, it saves you time in the end. It, it uses, it uses up a lot of space, of course, you know, in your, um, repositories and on your hard drive, but it's not necessarily a bad idea at all. It yeah. depends, you know, what your use case is. And then there is also apparently, you know, um, some tools that allow you to, to do it a little bit more efficiently, you know, to do shrink wrapping and keeping and keeping all your dependencies um, in your repository 
but um, in a more efficient way or something like that. I think that's what this tool is about that I saw the link for today on the internet. I'm definitely mm going -hmm. uh, to find that for the show notes. Yep. Yeah, I've had that same experience that, um, you know, things break because the versioning is not followed. And I've started doing the exact same thing is not not in, in JavaScript, but in PHP to basically specify down right. to the patch version number and yeah. only change that explicitly because I want to, not because, you know, an update occurred and you, you just run update and you get the newest version and have no guarantee that the thing still works. So, yeah. Yeah, that's cool, and and that's and, and where shrink wrap just you know is is, is still a little bit more, uh, or it's just a little bit better is that it really um, it 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 fix it fix uh, how do you say that in English? It just yeah, freezes or ties everything down mm. to to the to the to every single dependency. So even the dependencies of your dependencies, because that's the problem. If you do if you specify the full version. A major minor patch uh, of a module. This module can still depend on a on a other on a different package and just ha and um and yeah, have it's packaged it's packaged.json could have something have exactly. a star or whatever in it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or could just yeah. have like you know uh, pull in every uh, minor version and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So 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 um, as time passes, your dependencies slightly change. Right. right, or the dependencies of your dependencies slightly change because they're and and because you can't really um, one hundred percent rely on Semver, um, it is a it, this shrink wrap tool actually exists. I think that's mm -hmm. a that's a major reason why it exists and also why they put a lot of work into making it work better in the in, in the newest version of npm and. Uh, <clears throat> And and I, this makes makes me think of Elm because when I uh, I saw this talk about Elm not too long ago and and Elm actually enforces Semver because because of the strict typing it can it can basically uh, determine if there is a breaking change in your API and uh, will not allow you break, to publish breaking changes as a minor version or as a patch version. Mm, cool. So that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's just built into the tooling and into the language itself, basically. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and that just like when you see that, um, you just have to, you, you can't help to think about, you know, the JavaScript NPM ecosystem to be so far away from that because, it, because there's just no enforcing. And, um, And that's really bad, actually. <laughs> Because that's what, you know, that's what's being promoted. You know, use Semver and then everybody has to use, has to first learn Semver, of course. You know, what does that mean? And how do you use it? Da, 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 da. In Elm, you're just enforced to, to publish it in a certain way that works, that makes sense. And even if you don't really know what Semver is, you're still going to do it in the right, in the right way, you know? Yep. And that's really helpful. It would be really cool if something like that, if we could have something like that for for just JavaScript packages. But that's of course uh, much more difficult if you don't have uh, strong typing in there. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> yeah. 
So that was the NPM wow. drama. Drama, drama. Holy drama God. town. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Well, we'll be curious to see what... Uh, Went to drama town in JavaScript land. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's the title, I think. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Yeah. People really uh, have to chill. My God. Yeah. Don't they have work to do? <laughs> it's just... Yeah, I guess you, you know, have to get excited about something, but that's not the right thing. Well, they should get excited about bug industries. Yeah, that's that's right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think um, about time to wrap it up, huh? Wrap it up. Wrap it in. Let me begin. All right. <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's wrap it up. Uh, I'm Khalil Tweets on the Twitter, and uh, you can also find the, the podcast on the Twitter as at Reactive Pod. And um, you can find the show notes for this and every other episode on reactive.audio. And I'm H. Gladigratz on Twitter. Yay, I remembered. And um, there have has not been a review or rating of the show since January. I'm getting kind of sad here. That's disappointing. There's got to be some new people that like the show and <laughs> can go there and say something nice about it. That would be so yeah. awesome. That would help us out greatly because then it shoots yeah. up in the iTunes ranking and we win the world and everything. So Exactly. That would be great. And we will read it on the air. Yes. <laughs> I will do a dramatic re reading. Awesome. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, that's about it. So, and also, uh, of yeah, course, we have to big up uh, Rockbot. I'm sure she is soldiering through these hard times at NPM. Uh, and I am. And what I need to, say, what I really wanted to say also is that I, um, when it comes to situations like that, I definitely trust NPM to do to make good decisions and to and to find good solutions. And that they will be very transparent about everything because those people that work at NPM are really awesome and really good humans. And code is software is for humans after all. So um, it needs to be handled by good humans. So we should be good. They should be good. And they will be good. I trust in that totally. And um, yeah, and I can't wait to, to have um, Raquel back on the program uh, next week. Yeah, I definitely second that. I mean, they have a really good track record. And if you follow these people at all, it, it's really surprising that, you know, this this reaction from this person came like that. But uh, nothing we can do about it. So, yeah. Anyway, well, I guess I'll talk to you next week. All right. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Bye. <laughs>